Welcome to Crossing Cultures. I am Sebas, your host from the Netherlands. In this podcast, I talk to people from all over the world about our countries and cultures in order to get a better understanding of each other's way of life. Okay, we have started. Thanks, Kenneth, for being here. Welcome. Hello, good afternoon or evening, I guess. It's evening, yes, yes. Uh, Kenneth, where are you from? I'm from Hong Kong. Uh, from Hong Kong. All right, welcome. How do you feel being here in the Netherlands uh, as someone from Hong Kong? Actually, it's a pretty nice country. I I came here like in January 2021 in the worst time of Corona, I guess. At first, I, f- I feel like, oh, it's gonna be so worse because mm-hmm. Corona, no one is here. But fortunately, like in the Netherlands, people are super nice. Everyone is trying to help each other a lot. So I get along pretty well. What was your uh, first impression of the Netherlands? My first impression? Hmm... Honestly, I came for the first time like four years ago, and the first impression is gray. Gray for the weather. Yeah, I don't know. I just saw cloudy all the time. The weather is not that good, but maybe it is because it's in December. So I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's autumn, right? Yeah. Um, is it any different in Hong Kong? Yeah, we are because Hong Kong is kind of in the subtropical region, which means like unlike Southeast Asia, like they have been super hot, super humid. We have a little bit balance, but it's still humid, hot all the time. But we still have winter. Yeah, so you have different seasons as well. Yeah, like the winter could be a little bit shorter than here, of course, but we still have winter, except we don't have snow. Uh, okay. Uh, when it's hot, it's really hot. Yeah, but like it's a different kind of hot. Like if you feel hot here, maybe it's the sun burning your back. Yeah. But like in Hong Kong or in the Southeast Asia part, they the hot is also humid, which means you sweat a lot by doing nothing. So it's, it's a more undoable hot. It's undoable hot over there. Yeah, because like even it's only 20, I don't know, 25, 6 degrees Celsius because it's also humid. So you can just get in sweat and you just want to stay inside as much as you can. Yeah, I get it. Okay, is that one of the biggest differences um, compared to Hong Kong, the weather? The weather is one of the most biggest difference, I guess. And the second one is I I always telling my friend and I don't really like the food culture here. Or we also always joke about like there's no food culture in the Netherlands. There is none. And yeah. on the other hand, like Hong Kong is called uh, paradise for food. So okay. because we have food from every culture, every country, and you can just find the food you like in I don't know fifteen minutes, just like all for the city. And why why do you think uh, the Netherlands doesn't have any food culture? I don't know, maybe there's a bias because I live in Tilburg. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like whenever we're looking for food, like just for the restaurant, there's limited options for the cuisines. Even you can find some, but they are not 
really good. Or if you want to cook by yourself and just go to Albert Hein or Jumbo, uh huh, like supermarkets. You, yes, and then you just want to get it. For example, you want to buy a chicken and you cannot find a a full pieces of chicken, and it's so frustrating because you need the bone to, for example, to make the soup, make it better for the cuisine, and you can never find it. <laughs> so, when you're in the supermarket, you're being frustrated all the time. Yeah, because I always want to find some ingredients, and apparently it didn't. Because, like for for example, for all the chicken, the pork, they just cut in pieces already. So I cannot find. What the do you want? Like a full, <laughs> full pork or what? Like no, a full pig? Not really. For example, like in the supermarkets in Hong Kong, if you want to go for the pork, like if you want to make the soup, and then you can find the bone. And if you want to make something for the fried, and you have another part of pork, and then it's separated, but it's still the part of the pork. But like here, I can only find the pork slice or pork cube. Uh, only one part of the yeah, the and pig. I don't yeah, and I don't even know which part is exactly is belongs to exactly which part of the pork. Ah, uh, and you want to know? You want to? Well, you you can read it. It's on the package, but yeah, but it's not extensive enough. Yeah, you want to have like. All parts of the the pig, yeah, and then choose yourself which part yeah, exactly. you, you take from it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I didn't know uh, you were looking at it. Is it also um, that there's more markets in Hong Kong, or is it, do they also have supermarkets? Yeah, we mainly have two types of market, like the supermarket, and because they are cleaner, they have more food. They are a little bit more expensive, but they are just everywhere. So. It's nice to go there, but also we have some wet market. Basically, you can wet go market. It's like um outdoor market, uh, or even it's indoor but like more um uh, traditional way. You call it a wet market. Uh yeah, it's for it's easier to distinguish. Okay, yeah, because like the supermarket usually belongs to the big companies. True. For the wet market, it's like composed of like a bunch of individuals shops so you whenever you want to buy you just like for example if i want to buy the meat for for the main dish and then you can go to the butcher also you can talk to them like ah for example like i want to make the soup today so which part of the pork do you recommend and then he said uh you can use this part of the pork and then they just put one slide of the random part i don't know and then they just cut it and apparently it is a really better option for them to make decision for you okay so uh y yeah we don't have much we also have markets outside yeah um, i tried the butcher <laughs> but like i didn't make it you didn't make yeah i i didn't find the thing i want in the supermarket and then i go for butcher and yeah. then they said oh we also didn't sell something like this okay so you think we have limited options here because like the supermarkets and even the butcher yeah. only have a limited am amount of products. Yeah, but like my guess is you like mm. in the, in the Netherlands people are not really cooking such variety of food because for us basically we use many part of the meat or the vegetable to cook and we because we don't have too many agriculture stuff so we have to import a lot which means or we also have much more choices to make our own food okay there's not a big agriculture sector in 
Hong yeah. Kong. Because we are, it's pretty small. So we have to import most of the thing. For example, the vegetables, the meat, the rice, because we also eat rice. So basically everything is imported. There, okay, that's that's also a big difference compared to the Netherlands because he, he, we here in the Netherlands we have a lot of farms. Yeah, a lot of that's nice dairy, right? Dairy products. Um, so we uh, like harvest our own products, uh, partly or not all, not everything. But how do you think that relates to the limited options in the supermarket? Well, I. Remember, I have a conversation with my Dutch friend, and then we talk about the food, and then like, why can I, I cannot, I just buy something that I want in the supermarket, like I do in Hong Kong or in other part of Asia, and then he said like, because Dutch doesn't want to think that much on cooking, so just for convenience, so you just have the cube of meat, and then you can just go. Uh, yeah, yeah, we want to have it in a convenient package. Yeah. Uh, already prepared, kind yeah. of. Uh, so we can just add it to our dish yeah. without putting that much effort in it. Yeah, because, like, for example, if you need another part of the meat and then you need more time to, like, clean it, to wash it, and even after you cook it, when you eat it, like, if, if it's with the bone and then you take so much time to, like, dispose of the bone when you're eating but for us is we don't mind that much because we get used to it so maybe it is the difference okay yeah now i get what you're saying because we have also good restaurants here in the netherlands and there's also definitely people here that um, make a living out of cooking uh, so there is some food culture definitely but i understand what you say when you tell me we like to have uh, small packages with like prepared food so we can just add it to the dish so we don't have to put much effort in cooking so we can um, put that effort in other things like working or studying yeah so we're uh that's that's more what our focus is on i yeah. would say and also we have much more restaurant and I mean, to us, it maybe could be a little bit more expensive to cook by yourself if you just live alone or live with a family of two. So sometimes it is much cheaper to go outside to eat. And then apparently, just like you said, some people are working for cooking or cooking for living anyway. So they can cook a lot of different food than we do. So even we didn't cook that much, somebody who cooked for their living, they a more variety of food. Yeah. So would you also say there's much more restaurants in, many more restaurants in Hong Kong than here in the Netherlands? Yeah. Like we have, I don't know how many exactly, but basically it's just not a problem to find a restaurant nearby. But do you think it's a problem here? Mm, um, well, okay. It could be, it could be. In the center, I don't think it's a problem. But maybe this is not a problem, but, but also for the price is like it would be more cheaper to just cook by yourself instead of eating outside. Yeah. But like in Hong Kong, basically, you can just go to go outside and take a lunch for, I don't know, four or five euros per day. So it's not too expensive. Okay. So uh, the food culture, according to you, is way better in Hong Kong than 
than here. Yeah, at least this is the thing. At least the food culture is always the thing we are really proud of. Yeah, yeah. At least if you ask somebody from Hong Kong after they left, like I don't know, stay in the other places, other countries for two months, let's say, and then when you ask them like, what do you miss the most? The food is number one. But doesn't that? I I completely uh, understand. But I th- doesn't that go for uh, all or like many people from countries? You often hear that from people that are abroad. Oh, I miss the food of my country. Uh, it's also you. People are also attached to it, right? Yes, uh, of course. And it's and it's their association with home. Um, so maybe they they miss home <laughs> instead of the food. But it it's it re- it's related, right? Yeah, it's re- related and as well and. The food is not that easily accessible compared to like if you come from America, then you when you just come to the Netherlands, I don't think it's a problem for you to you find. You just go to the McDonald's. Yeah, basically it just feels like the same. I mean, the McDonald's yeah. may not feel the same, but it's still McDonald's. But for the at least for the Asian countries, when you go, maybe you can look see some sushis, but it's yeah. it's not the same sushi that you taste. When you're from a region that has very specific dishes and products, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's hard to find them abroad, right? Especially when you're on the uh, yeah. on the other side of the world. Like if you are Asian, if you're traveling within Asia, then it will be less a problem. But if if you just go away outside Asia, and then yeah, it is a big problem. So what do you think? Uh, like like looking at it like that, do you think? What do you think about the Asian food here in the Netherlands? In the Netherlands, mm. like, is it a good representation of the r- the real Asian food, or let's just stick to Hong Kong food? No, I because I love food so much, but I basically love every single Asian food. It's like I can also take some spicy, so I can also love some spicy food from I don't know Indonesia, the northern part of China. And it depends on the regions of the Netherlands. Like if you go to Rotterdam and Amsterdam, and then I can find some really good like Asian restaurants. So the bigger cities. Yeah, but like if you go in Tilburg and not really, and like especially some people are recommending the one in the city center. I try like it's okay, but it doesn't feel like that way. And if you are the local Asian, I will definitely not saying a pass for that. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, but I can understand because like the non-Asian will feel like, oh, this is so nice, and then it's up to you. But I just have a little bit higher standard for my own food. Yeah. So we we're not meeting those standards, at least not here until according to. Yeah, because like to me, it's just saying the soup is nice, the noodle is nice, but the combination is not the thing that we will do it anyway. I mean, we didn't. I'm not saying we didn't welcome innovation, at least for the food, but it's just not a good part. So, are people from Hong Kong proud or like critical on what uh, what's on their plate? Um, I guess I guess not too many people are critical on the plate, but as a uh, people from Hong Kong, we are more critical to many things as like not just the food. What else? Everything we learn from the British, so we complain everything. <laughs> you learn from the British to complain. 
yeah, because like we were once the British colony, and yeah. I don't know, because like to us, it feels so normal, or we are just too stressful. So we see a lot of things that we don't really like. So we will complain. I mean, to me, I will just complain, but I don't complain like in front of the people, and maybe just complain within the friends. And for some people who are really, I don't know, impolite, they were just like, "Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that." But it it's not a really uncommon thing in Hong Kong. Whereas British people are known for their politeness, right? Yeah. So in that sense, you are not really. Like well, British. but they're also famous for the sarcastic jokes. So they ah, are yeah. just saying the things that sounds nice, but at the same time, they are just being mean. So, but um, more towards themselves, right? Or um, towards the um, I don't know towards the event. Like for example, when I was like. Lining up in the, in London, and somebody just jumped the queue, and then instead of just going to say the guy is not doing well by jumping the queue, and then they just say something. I forgot the exact wording, but they just say you are doing super nice. But I apparently everyone knows he is just saying I don't like this. Ah, uh, okay. And you would say they also do have that kind of attitude in Hong Kong. Similar, I would say. Like we usually we don't just. Jump to the people and say say something super mean, but we were just like ah we don't like this. Why are you doing this? This is like this just like impolite, and but if we also just jump to the self the the people and just say something that then we are also impolite. So we are just trying to being I don't know keep it to ourselves. Uh huh. Well, that's a form of politeness, right? I don't know if it's a healthier form, but. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. What is your relation to the to the British, anyway? Yeah, you're a for, former colony. Yeah. Of uh, Great Britain, but in in a more cultural way, what is your relation to them? So you've inherited uh, complaining <laughs> from them, also partly politeness. What else? What else? Honestly, because I was born in '97, so basically, right before Hong Kong is. Being handed over to China, yeah. So I didn't really learn that much because the British is went away already. But like we still inherit the education system because like the system is de- is developed based on the um, I would not say it's based on the British system, but it's the British developed the system of Hong Kong. So how does it look like? It looks like um. It's hard to describe. But what is so typical, typically British about it? But basically, like I have been like studying or stay, staying there for twenty years already. So maybe this is belong to British, but I don't know. But like when we were kids, and then you just go to the primary school, middle school, take the proper exams, and then you will, in it's highly selective, and then you will go to uni if you are good enough. And then you work, and then when you work in the multinational companies, you feels like people are super hardworking. But as fast as I know, they are being really hardworking since the British like taking over Hong Kong. And then they also said also British is also good at not ex- exploiting or making every single part of you to be useful to the company. So we are efficiency. Yeah, like efficiency and make sure you work like a machine. 
Okay. Would you say that's the footprint uh, Great Britain has left on Hong Kong? That attitude, that working, hardworking attitude? I'm not sure if British also do it in the same way, but I'm kind of certain that the British back in Hong Kong try like the boss, they doing this to the employees and then make sure they can work like super efficient. And honestly, they are pretty successful on that. Yeah. Like the people from Hong Kong or from Great Britain? Uh, from Hong Kong. Yeah, because when I think about Hong Kong, I see a lot of skyscrapers. Yeah. And high buildings and just, you see it's a very uh, powerful economic hub. Is that true? It, it used to be. I still believe it is. Because like Singapore is catching up or they are already better. But I'm not sure. Is it a kind of a battle between Singapore I and I would say Hong Kong? I wish it could be a competition because Singapore is like the government support it so well. And for the Hong Kong government, I cannot really agree they are doing pretty well. Only It only de- relies on the company itself to still maintain the competitiveness. And especially during Corona, many companies are struggling with some like travel restrictions. And, but like, if there's no restrictions, Hong Kong is still a really good financial center. Yeah, and that's what it's also known for, right? Yeah, it has been called the international financial center for many years, at least in Asia, until like Singapore is catching up really quickly. Okay, so it's it's kind of like I said, kind of a battle between the two. Uh, yeah, but now, um, but they are also because they have different political regimes like Hong Kong used to be the democratic and Hong like Singapore is famous for the autocracy so I heard some companies opinions about like it's always better to go for some places with democracy instead of autocracy at least you never know what happened if they just like uh, we don't want something like this and then your companies have to go away. So it is always safer to stay in Hong Kong than in Singapore. But of course, Singapore is doing well, so they don't expect anything bad. And you said um, Hong Kong used to be democratic. Yeah. What do you mean with it? Um, I guess the most famous thing is the 2019 social um, protest. protests. And then before that, like, Basically, I can be sure every single every single one in the world who knows Hong Kong believes that Hong Kong is a democratic country if they know Hong Kong is not the same as China. And after the social protests, they have more um, restrictions on people. And also thanks to Corona, they have more reason to do the restrictions as the name of COVID restrictions. So people cannot do social protests anymore. And they have so more. So the government ref- has a good excuse now yeah. to limit the protests because yeah. of Corona. Let's say if you, I just want to throw a protest against, like I don't know, to some policy, you cannot do that because of the Corona. There's too many people. You should obey the social distancing. So it is impossible for them to um, agree because, like, when you do a protest and or a social gathering, you have to ask for permission or ask the non opposition from the police so if they didn't you cannot do something like this okay so after you would, would you say that after corona 
But what what actually happened during those protests? Can you explain it a little bit? Oh yeah, sure. Based like um in 2019, right? And 2019. also already before there were protests. I r- yeah. In 2015, umbrella. Yeah, umbrella. Protests? Yeah. Um, for the umbrella, I guess it's too far away. Let's okay. move to the, Let's the stick closer to 2019. one. Basically, the brief story is like um, there's um, a couple, a boyfriend and a girlfriend from Hong Kong. They went to Taiwan for travel, and the boyfriend somehow murdered the girlfriend, and then left her in Taiwan and flee back to Hong Kong. And then the Taiwan government found out, and then they tried to because it's just the um, murder of a Hong Kong person. So they what they usually do or normally do, they contact the government of Hong Kong to see if it is possible to do the extradition. Because that's not the first time to do the extradition, but because of the political issue between Hong Kong, China and Taiwan, they cannot just do it in a as in the same country. So they have to like do some bargain either under the table because no one really cares if it's normal but some um, political party pro-Beijing parties they just said like oh this is a it seems like a great time to um, adjust our extradition bill to include like Hong Kong China and Taiwan so basically the political agenda is like Hong Kong and how do this how do I say it like yeah, it was a thing between Taiwan and Hong Kong. Yeah. And then someone in the Hong Kong government decided, okay, this is a nice possibility to, to take in China. Yeah, like, for example, the, the adjustment is like if you commit some crimes in Hong Kong, they can extradite you to China. And that is not the previous case. With the original extradition bill doesn't include this. Which means that if you commit some crime in China and you flee back to Hong Kong, technically you shouldn't be sent back to China for trial. And then apparently the people from Hong Kong get like alert from that because we are really sensitive to the political stuff for this. Because like the f- we also kind of embracing freedom, democracy, and we know like. Maybe we agree China is doing super great job in their economic development, but we still kind of fear the autocratic control from Hong- from China to Hong Kong. The so that's why we have the protests. Okay, and also that uh, democratic attitude is also like heritage, yeah. maybe of Great Britain. Maybe that's even the most important one. Yeah, exactly. Just like you have been experiencing the positive part of the democracy. You can say anything. You can even you don't dislike the government. You feels like they saying something stupid. You can just say whatever mean to them. Then they cannot do anything to you, which is good because you always need some criticism to improve. And then apparently we don't like. That's why we don't like the adjustment of the extradition bill. And then we throw a protest and because um, culturally speaking, China is quite opposite yeah. to Hong Kong, right? Yeah, exactly. So they're officially, they say, uh, one country, two s- systems. Yeah. Which means? The w- one country means like China and Hong Kong still in the same country. And China, of course, is the dominant one. Two systems means 
China is running the political system according to theirs, and then Hong Kong is running another system, which is the heritage of the um, the British system. And I because I'm not really good at history, but based on the deal they the bargain between China and the UK, it should be remain the same for at least fifty years from nineteen ninety seven until twenty forty seven. Yeah, so the first of July, yeah, two two thousand forty seven. Yeah, but Hong like, Kong will be handed over to China. That's the deal, kind of, right? Yep. Yeah. But like for the deal, and then for the transition, it should be slow, and then it shouldn't be reversal. Like because like you you go to step to the de- democracy, and then the deal is something like we are not expecting it's going back to the path of. Autocracy. So, it for the politically speaking, it should remain the same all the time. Yeah. But apparently, it is not the case right now. So that's why people are getting super sensitive about that. So they're getting sensitive about the. It ch- could be we like we could go back to the old path of the autocracy, but only in two thousand. Forty-seven, right? Yeah, but it feels like because it's just twenty twenty-one, and many things apparently change. And like that extradition bill yeah, is and one then, example. Yeah, and the process seems like accelerated already. Okay, because Hong people from Hong Kong feel that China is encroaching on Hong Kong, like expanding their influence within Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and people from Hong Kong don't identify with. The communist authoritarian regime in China is that correct or not? Yeah, we would say before the protest, I believe most of the people will say, "Yeah, I'm Chinese, including myself." But at the same time, I'm a Hong Konger, which means I'm from Hong Kong. So basically, we are okay with the dual identities. Okay, because we are super proud of Hong Kong. So yeah. if I guess if maybe you should feel the same like if you are Dutch and then you are super proud of I don't know if you are based in Tilburg and then like I'm Dutch and but I'm also from Tilburg just something okay, like this. Okay, so you so people from Hong Kong do consider themselves as Chinese. I would say yes, especially I can see this when back in the Olympics in twenty two thousand and eight Beijing Olympics, and they are apparently the big winner at that time and everyone just say. I'm so proud of our our countries, and me too. Because I also like just keep watching the Olympic games all the time, and we just like we are totally Chinese, and no one denying that until like they are getting super rich, and then the, we can see more apparent cultural differences when they travel to Hong Kong and some uncivilized manners. So some at that time we feels like. Yeah, we are Chinese, but we are the different version of Chinese, but like more like a Hong Kongese or Hong Kongers. What is the 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 difference between someone from China and someone from Hong Kong? Um, I let's see. I would just say the one I observe like tourists, and when they like guess is after two thousand and eight, and the economy of China is booming, just going up crazily. So everyone getting so rich, and then they just come down. They basically buy everything from our places, and then we cannot even buy it because it's of shortage. And the merchandiser knows that they can pay a higher price, so they just sell it to them. 
So, but they also like, I don't know. They always have some yelling in the streets, shouting a lot, and then also sometimes peeing or pooping in the public area, letting the kids to I don't know to scream or play, annoying others but not controlling them. So there's a lot of many different manners that we didn't really like that much. So that's why we have start to have some fight between each other. But is that also like a stereotype of Chinese people, Hong like Hong Kong people have of Chinese people, or do you really think this is true? Mm, not really, like because we only have some such an impression when we see them doing this. Because I, because we also have some Chinese relatives all the time, and it's impossible to do some stereotype like this. But it's more like a objective observation instead of a stereotype. Okay, and you always know it's someone from China. Um, not really, but like they are basically they are one of the biggest population in the world, so I can safely assume they are. Okay, and can you also see like external differences, like where we do, we do. I I don't know why, but I can somehow distinguish them. People at least in the East Asia, but I think because like in terms of social psychology, it's like the they are saying it's a some term of the familiarity. Like if you live in somewhere you are familiar with, and then you can distinguish which one is from which country. So I guess it may be similar for you to distinguish some people from Europe. Yeah, you often recognize your own people, kind of. Yeah. Um, Like like for um for example on vacation, Dutch people are always recognize each other. Yeah, uh, even from far away. Exactly. I don't know what it is, but it's something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then do you also have that with people from Hong Kong? Yeah, because like, just like, to me at first when I just first came to the Netherlands, every Dutch looked the same to me. Yeah. But yeah, it's the, yeah, it's it's a way of dressing. Um. Yeah, the dressing, how you do the makeup, hairstyle, yeah, hairstyle is all yeah, exactly. That's how you those small things and those small things you recognize each other. Yeah, and how you dress it. I mean, like maybe you have some some country may have better dressing style, or they know what is the most suitable things to dress on, and some maybe may not. So this is also the how we try to distinguish between others. Yeah. Um. Okay, so there's a lot of things happening uh, in Hong Kong, especially in 2019. Yep. Um, how is the situation now? The situation now to the government is much better. To the citizens, the opposite. But what do you mean with that? Because like um, at that time we not like the protester really create a a much a headache to the government because basically there's protests for every week. The highest numbers of protesters should be like around two million people. That was in two thousand nineteen, right? Yeah, two thousand nineteen, July at June. I guess it's June sixteen. Two million people on the streets. Yeah, and you know the population of Hong Kong is around seven point seven million. Okay, that's a lot. So basically, yeah, that's. But unfortunately, the government doesn't listen at all. It feels like, nope, we won't do anything that you like, which means that we will just surrender to such a thing and we won't do this so nothing has changed, changed since yeah. 
and it get more violent from the we always say the pro, po, police brutality because they doing unreasonable violence towards the protester and it happens until the outbreak of corona because because back in 2003 and the SARS yeah it's also the other the, virus and, yeah another virus is also killing around 300 people in Hong Kong but it is so severe and we lost a lot of important pers- people at that time so that's why we were terrified by them by corona so everyone just being super um super obedient about the rules even if it's not from the government so we wear the mask all the time you use the sanitizers all the time when you see somebody not wearing the mask you make sure they wear and then that's why yeah that's why we were so terrified and of course social distancing is one of the thing and that's why the protest is not happening anymore because people also worry about the corona and it's also the best excuse to for the government to start pushing a little bit further yeah so like we said in the beginning yeah they use it as a excuse exactly to forbid protesting kind of and what do you mean with the masks because that was i have read something about the protests in hong kong that they were quite intelligent protests yeah strategic w- and tactical because at that time we say the protesters make sure no one can be distinguished by the police so that's why everyone should wear exactly the same color tone which is black and then if the strategy is like don't wear it when you're going out from your house which is totally meaningless so you go to the protest place you change your clothes and then you wear the mask you wear the um, the black clothes and then make sure no one can be distinguished and then if you unfortunately encounter some police and then most likely you will be distinguished anyway make sure you go away as soon as you can or just change your total outfit totally change your hairstyle whatever because like they just find everyone to i don't know if it's the same in the Netherlands, but when they caught you and then they charge you with a riot and then you're gonna take several years of jail yeah well, even it may not be without the, case. the process w- without the trial they do but they also have some judge with some bias so they kind of pres- assume the police has to be good the protester had to be bad so this is not really a fair trial and after some time the national security law was launched and they can as the judge can assign some specific person for them to be the judge and they have apparently more bias to them to the cases and make sure um, the protester have some bad consequences because of that okay yeah so they put it on their yeah I mean, I, I wish it is my personal opinion, which is totally biased, but it is also the same opinion from the, from the legal perspective, like from the lawyers, no matter it's from Hong Kong or from the British. So they are also agree that the, basically the legal system is going back to the uncivilized time. 
it's like the person can judge according to their um, power instead of the evidence. Yeah. Uh, were you in the protests? I would say, oh. I don't know. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Typical answer. I don't know. Okay, because that's people don't talk about that because that can be. Yeah, this is nothing to be proud of. Okay. Sh- at least if the country is uh, good enough, why should you do the, the protest that is severe enough to can be get arrested? Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. But that's also the, like you said, the common answer. Uh, people. I hope so. Yeah. Okay. One of the suggestions is like, if you say no, and then maybe you say, why do you say no? Maybe you is, you do so I don't know. There's a legal sayings like we we mean the right of silence. Yeah. So in our cases, like we have nothing to say. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's very smart. I think. Yeah. Because like we also the police always pay plays the good cops bad cops thing. So you never know what you have said will become something else. Yeah. Yeah. There there's a possibility they might change or uh... yeah because like there's a rest of a lot of people especially the young one maybe some even younger than 18 not even an adult and when they get arrested they are just scared and just want to get away as soon as possible so at that time you make mistake yeah are you planning to go back and is that also why you're cautious Mm, I really want to go back if it is safe, but I guess apparently it's just not really the option for me because as I said, the system is really going back to the bad time, so I don't feel safe anymore to stay in Hong Kong. Okay, so the way it's going right now, you don't think it's the right direction? Yeah, I mean, to the political agenda from the government, it is going to the right direction. Yeah, which is pro-China. Yeah, because at the same, because in this time, it's supposed to do the legislative council election. So in other words, the one who get elected can be in the legislative council and then say yes or no to the suggested policies. And in this point of time, I guess, the super majority are from poor China because the rest either get arrested or disqualified. So basically, it is useless to going back anyway. Yeah. If there, there's at this point, not, not much reason to go back. Yeah. Because it's, there's no way back. Yeah. But I really hope you can return someday. Yeah. I wish that too. Um, Let's talk about stereotypes. Yep. Um, what are the stereotypes about people from Hong Kong? You are mean there? to the or to the others or to yeah? How do other people perceive people from Hong Kong? Well, let's say before before that, maybe I can do a counter question. What do you? What is your stereotype to Hong Kong? Um, I really don't have. A stereotype about people from Hong Kong specifically. I think stereotypes here in the Netherlands or in the Western countries are more about 
Asian people in general. So we consider people from all Asian countries as one big group, whereas that is not the case, obviously. Um, but I'm not sure whether we have, or I can only speak for myself, that I have specific, some specific ter stereotype about people from Hong Kong. I know there were a lot of riots and protests, but there's no, like I said, I, there, I only have a certain image of Asian people. Uh, but not specifically from Hong Kong. So that's why I'm very curious how co Hong Kong okay. is. Like to the people, like, let's say within Asia, I mean, maybe Taiwan, Japan, Korea, they was feels like Hong Kong people are kind of rude. It's one of the stereotype. And even the Hong Kong people ourselves, sometimes we feel ourselves being rude. I'm, okay. And then the reason is like, Sometimes we are we could be rude, but mostly because the composition of the language. Because like our language is more um, Cantonese, right? Cantonese is more I don't know, it's more discreet for every word because the 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 composition of the word is word by word. So that's why when we're saying something, it feels so discreet. At the same time, it feels rude, and we have also. So six. the sound is rude or it sounds rude. I mean, also we have six to nine. The, I don't know. It's called syllables or the the different the tones. Tone, yeah, the, the yeah. tones. Yeah, and the tones when you have nine tones in total or the six, which means it is hard to distinguish the the up and downs. Okay. So which means we are saying more um, more like in a it sounds rude. Aggressive. But, yeah, a little bit. But okay. it doesn't mean to be. Like no, we're just trying, course. yeah, we're just trying to say in our own way, and then maybe because also Hong Kong is a really fast-paced place, and then everyone feels like people from Hong Kong is going so rush all the time. So it it reminds me a lot about um, the conversation I had with a German girl, Michelle. Mm -hmm. uh, she also said that people often think German sounds very aggressive. Yeah. So basically, uh, you're the Germany from Asia, then. Yeah. Even though it's not. It doesn't. Uh, I could not relate to that. They don't say anything aggressive or mean. Yeah, it's just it that has that sound and people relate associated with aggressiveness. Yeah. And to us, we are getting we got used to it already, so we don't feel like it's super rude. And or sometimes even surprising, you will feel like, oh, actually, it's nice to be there where somebody feels like they're scolding us. Because like there's one famous Hong Kong restaurant. They basically when you go in, you have to finish the meal within fifteen minutes. So 15 the minutes. starting from the second you sit on the table, like sit on the place, they will just ask, "What do you want?" And then like, uh, when you when you try to hesitate, and then you feels like you're already being so much pressure. And then, but I we got used to it. Just you sit down and say like, uh, I would like to have set A, and then they just go away. And then in like thirty seconds, you will get the food. And, and, then, yeah. and then, when you're almost done, and then they will just ask, what do you want to drink? And then like, uh, lemon tea, please. And then, did you then you will get like the drinks like within another thirty seconds, and you just go. Just a fast. Literally yeah, it, fast food. It, it's the it's the fastest one. The fastest food and in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, they are famous for really bad attitude. But people are going there because like, oh, actually, we are. I feel 
super interesting to being scold like this because like you just kind of pay for this service okay yeah yeah it's it's their product it's their yeah. selling point but i don't know because people were also saying they are getting maybe they also get really mad because at the same time we have a lot of uh, chinese tourists at the same time and basically we we can read the same text we, we didn't speak the same language but apparently you can read and you can design and they just like staying here forever and not uh, like ordering anything and because that's why they get pissed off all the time but like after corona no chinese tourists and they get a little better attitude and people were surprised and didn't really enjoy that much like please please go me a little bit and is that restaurant also considered as like an a good representation of Hong Kong or Hong Kong people, mm. like for for foreigners and tourists, it's more like an exaggeration, exaggeration but, but, but but of the stereotype. Yeah, but in an um, interesting way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would I would definitely recommend people to to go there because the quality the food quality is pretty nice, and you didn't have much chance to get scolded by the waiter or waitress like in a I don't know. Not really offensive way, but in an interesting way. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of building on the stereotype, yeah. which makes it interesting for foreigners to visit that place. Yeah. Because it meets their their image of Hong Kong people. Yeah. Because like they are more, mostly they are the, the guy and the guy has to be like more masculine, like not, not in the body shape, but like in the mentality. So maybe they will be more like, hurry up i mean you don't have much that much choice anyway just make make your own choice and then but they're also being so gentlemen at the same time to some i don't know to the pregnant woman yeah. to the old ladies and if you know you're the tourists who apparently didn't read chinese or cantonese then they will just wait for you but usually they um be more mean to the local people but i totally get that and everyone get that so it's fine everyone from hong, from hong kong gets it yeah at least i enjoy going there so much okay so uh within asia or at least east asia mm -hmm. um people from hong kong are considered fast-paced mm -hmm. rude every now and then or yeah. at least they sound rude or more direct sounds like more direct direct okay yeah. well that that sounds kind of dutch as well um uh, we are also considered direct um but anything else like is it is that how people from China and Japan and Taiwan look at you guys? Um, I don't know if they l really like the people from Hong Kong. I hope they do. I guess they do. So at least we are not really hostile to the, to the others. So whenever I travel to those countries, at least I kind of receive pretty warm welcome from them. So I guess we have some good relationship um between each other but what do you hear when you are in those other countries like i went to taiwan most of the time and then they were just just the, i don't know my Eng english accent was not that distinguishable within asia but when i use my mandarin everyone knows i'm from hong kong so but like they are more like oh they your accent is so interesting and but like in a in a good way because because like they can understand but somehow I make a lot of mistakes and but they genuinely like they like 
us and we it's a mutual liking so uh-huh. nice okay um so you speak mandarin cantonese cantonese and english and english and you got all three uh at school uh yes the, because the cantonese is my mother tongue yeah that's the, what they speak in hong kong yep because like it's also one of the biggest language in the world it's like really similar to the population of japanese because it's around um i can take a look because i remember i do some preparation before i came yeah <laughs> very nice yeah it should be around one billion people using cantonese all right and then and it's also have some a long history like back in i don't know around bcad at that time so okay a lot of people using that but for me of course it's my mother tongue and i have to learn english since primary school mm-hmm. and mandarin not really we have mandarin class like may- maybe once a week but we didn't for me i didn't learn that well and okay. I, i know how to speak and because we write basically the same so yeah, what's the difference between mandarin and cantonese You mean the writing or the speaking? Uh, both. For the for the writing, we are have some different because of the culture, so we can't understand each other in terms of writing. But when it comes to slang, it sounds so weird to us. Like I don't know what it, what does it mean. And yeah. also, we write a little bit differently in the front because we writing so called the traditional Chinese, which share with Taiwan. Taiwan is also doing the same. Because it's both Chinese, right? Yeah, Mandarin and Cantonese. Yeah, and in Taiwan they also speak Cantonese. They speak Mandarin. Mandarin, okay. Let's say like in Taiwan and China they speak Mandarin yeah. with different accent, but for writing, China is writing in simplified Chinese, and Hong Kong and Taiwan is writing traditional Chinese. Okay, clear. Yes, like. Literally, traditional Chinese is more traditional. Simplified Chinese more simplified, and like in terms of the the structure of the word, so it lost. We always complain it lost a lot of like the artistic. There it is again. That some yeah, the simplified Chinese is like losing the the build the beauty of the word from the traditional Chinese. Really? Yeah, because it was developed back in a time when people the literacy back in China is pretty low, and The government want people to increase the literacy, know how to write, how to read, so they kind of develop the si- system of simplified Chinese, and then that's it. Then they just keep using it s- since then. So you, so you people in Hong Kong, you, you feel like you're talking the real Chinese, the, like the traditional Chinese, and they the, like the writing part, yeah, for the sure. The writing part, for yeah. sure. Because even for the ancient ancient literature is sub- it is supposed to be written in traditional chinese it's okay. a little bit different artistic style but in general they are written in traditional chinese okay so simplified chinese is more like the um, product in the last century yeah like a product yeah but for the language the, government, the chinese yeah. government yeah but for the language is debatable because like China itself is a multi-cultural places, so it includes so many language. Even from the southern part, we say can speak Cantonese. The northern part, in Mandarin, or even for the western part, the Tibet, they used to speak in other languages. 
So we have so many different languages, and apparently Mandarin is the mainstream right now. Yeah. Okay. Didn't know that. Um, Kenneth, is there is there anything you wanna wanna say? Because we're more or less done. Mm. Unless you wanna express something else. Express something else. Um, actually, I really interested in the like for the people or the person outside of Asia is one of the stereotype Asian are uh, intelligent or at at least mathematically intelligent. Yeah, that's a stereotype. But why is that? Why is that? Very good question. We also have that stereotype about people from India. Uh, that they're uh, into info. How do you call that? Computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's also partly true. Um, but people from China or people, Asian people. And it's also an, uh, a thing we often do. We reduce people from Asia to people from China. Mm-hmm. When we, like, impulsively, when we see someone that is Asian-looking, we say, hey, there's a Chinese, for example. We 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 don't really distinguish. Yeah, that it's, makes sense. It's the most easy thing to just call them Chinese. The same way as I was called a gringo, in Mexico, uh, which is like the word for American, I believe. Mm. Um, so I look kind of Western, so I'll, I'll, they'll just call me gringo, right? Yeah. Um, it's the term, like the umbrella term for the word, but it doesn't make sense because I don't identify at all with the United States and you probably don't identify with, or partly, <laughs> we just discussed it, uh, with China. But um, why... Do we see people from Asia as computer nerds or intelligent? That's a very good question. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think of where it comes from, but I cannot see what is at the root of the stereotype. Maybe it's movies, but maybe maybe in childhood we get movies in which the people that look Asian are always the nerds, like the computer nerds. Yeah, I really that's don't. Also true. Does that make sense? Is that that's also one of the biggest stereotype from the Hollywood movies? Yeah. Just find some random Asian guy to yeah. wear the glasses, put on yeah. the IT shirt. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I don't know where it comes from. Because w- was it because of that, or was there something before that? Um, how do how do people in Hong Kong look at that stereotype? Because we as we are really aware of the this kind of stereotype, and then yes, I mean to me it is fine because at least I'm confident to say I'm not too not too stupid, and at least that's why I can get in the master. And then anyway, but I guess it's not everyone getting intelligent, at least not in the academic way. But we, I can say we were pretty competitive, but not that intelligent to, like the stereotype did. Yeah, it's also ha- has to do with that, indeed. Like, um, I can I, I can only think about um uh, how we see Chinese people, for example. We see them as very competitive, with a lot of discipline, um, and they're very ambitious, and maybe it's more 
that what drives them and takes them to the top than that they're really like more intelligent in terms of IQ. I don't know. Could be. Do you also see that in Hong Kong? Well, um, because like in Hong Kong, in the uni, we basically need to share some classes with the mainland Chinese. And in my uni, they are mostly from, in my program, mostly they are from the really best part of China. So basically they are the, I don't know, the top, top three or top five in their province. And then they just came because they just said, oh, I don't want to go to the Beijing, the University of Beijing. This is too stressful because everyone is competing. And then let's go to Hong Kong. It, it, it's so chill, but we still study 24-7, which is the real case because they basically sleep in the library all the time by studying. So I'm not, I cannot say they are not intelligent, but in more, I would say they are super hardworking. Yeah, and maybe we conflate intelligence with hardworking. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, so we, because that hardworking mentality is maybe a cultural thing, and we conflate that with natural intelligence, uh, whereas it doesn't, or more societal way. Because I am not sure if you know, because like in the high school in China, they have to like stay in the school all the time and they have to live in the school and they can only go back to once a week on Sunday and for the rest of the time they just keep doing revision all the time and study make sure you can get a decent result in the exam and then you can get a get in the decent uni so but it, but at the same time they really study a lot i'm i'm not sure if how much did they really take it but i cannot deny they are super hardworking yeah and that's interesting that you also see that see it like that um as a person from hong kong yeah uh, so you also don't think that's the case in hong kong yeah because we are not that i mean we are kind of hard working but we um because of the education system we have to do a lot of hard work but at the same time i guess we are more um relaxing and compare it to them at least we won't live in school we don't have space anyway yeah. and yeah we would say <laughs> we, we don't have space anyway yeah yeah and then we were more i would say we try to use more um, our brain to, or more spontaneous action instead of i mean of course you can be hardworking, but you know you need to be smart at the same time yeah uh, by the way is there really that little space in uh in hong kong because of it's such a small region and uh, yeah. buildings. Yeah, it is. It is a really small sp space. And then, um, for example, uh, how large is this room? 23 square meters. 23 square meters. So I guess this is um, pretty large enough for two person, like the two person family. Whoa, and, in Hong and, Kong, and, two Oh, two-person family lives in this room. Yeah, including everything. And then I guess it's cause if it is a new building and you want to buy one apartment with 23 square meters, I guess it's cost you at least um, 400,000 euros minimum. I'm not pretty 
sure about the property price, but it's insane. Because this is, I don't know how how much you can buy this apartment, but I guess it's not this amount. No, no, but I it's crazy that that means people are also living on top of each other in Hong Kong. Yeah, because like we in Hong Kong, we were saying, uh, we have more mountains and less flat land in this distance. Yeah. It's totally different from the Netherlands. So instead of building horizontally, we have to build to the top. Exactly. And yeah. That's what happens a lot. Yeah. So that's also one of the things that people didn't know why Hong Kong is so small, but so many people there because skyscrapers is everywhere. And there's some nice mountains, but you cannot build on the mountain that much anyway. Is there much nature? Yeah. It's one of the most famous activities is hiking. Oh yeah. Like if you are um, like a hiking fanatic and I'm pretty sure you will hear like Hong Kong is one of the best location to do to do the hiking because we have so many routes, okay. so many mountains. So and so many difficulties. So if you are the newbies, you can go to somewhere like this. If you are the professional, just go to challenge this and that route. Okay, so conclusion Hong Kong des- definitely has to offer more than skyscrapers and protests. Of course. Makes it's, it's a really recommended place, I would say, if you want to travel. Yeah. Is it, it's a relatively popular destination or not? I think it is. It is. Because it's also one of the most international cities in the world. Yeah, and they speak English, which also makes it more attractive. Yeah. Like we are not really not not everyone speak good English, okay. but the official language is English. If you stay in the central area, basically everyone knows how to speak. If you look at the young people, they know anyway. The only problem maybe is like when you go to the the local shop, there may be a little problem in terms of communication, but people are always helpful if you find somebody to help. Where do you think the level of English is higher? Here in the Netherlands or in Hong Kong? I would say in the Netherlands. Yeah. Because like basically everyone can speak English. And to us, not a, not everyone, but I guess the proportion is less. Okay. Okay, well, uh, I'll place it on my list right away. Um, how do we say bye in Cantonese? Um, or maybe I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to try anyhow. No, basically we are just saying the same. We just call by, because we can also oh, really? write. Yeah, we can always. Yeah, because like the the most comfortable way is like by. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought now there is coming out some crazy Cantonese word that I could never pronounce. Mm, well, maybe for the greeting, but not for bye. If it's this, okay. How uh, let let's say hi. <laughs> say hi. Oh, I realize we are pretty Western, so. We also, we always say <laughs> you also say hi. Yeah, because you know when I was you know spoken language, we always mix up with with the Cantonese and English all the time. And if you write it right right away, you just like some random Chinese word and the English word in the middle, and then it feels totally normal to us. But in terms of the the language itself in writ in written language, it is a pretty awkward anyway. Okay, but if the simplest like let's say good morning, there's like. You can always say good morning anytime 
I mean, it could be a little bit strange, but it makes sense. You can say Zhousan. Okay, well, I I just had one little epiphany. Um, Bruce Lee. Yep. Is from Hong Kong, right? Yep. I didn't know that. Is he famous? He is. He is. Basically, he is famous internationally. Yeah, yeah, of course, but also in Hong Kong. He is. He is because he basically start the the whole movie industry with the action. And he inspired a lot of people who follow his footsteps and doing this afterwards. And basically, everyone still is he like him. a hero in in Hong Kong, or is that too much? Mm, to me, may maybe not because it's too far away. And apparently, he died way before I was born. But yeah, I feel you can say he's a hero. Okay. Well. Maybe it's, I don't know to the Western world. Um, I guess right right now maybe Jackie Chan is more popular than he did. Because Jackie Chan is from also from Hong Kong. Like you can say he also he, from Hong Kong. Yeah, you can say also he's <laughs> from Hong Kong. But like I would say, people will admire uh, Bruce Lee more than Jackie Chan. Why? Because mm. he was the first one. Of course, first, and then some. Um, he is also. After his the top in the career, and then he went to China to some politics, and he is also not accused for many unethical manners to the females. So okay. I I appreciate him as a actor, but I'm not appreciate himself as a, a normal person. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Uh, okay. Thanks, Kenneth. Um, I I just wanted to. Let the listeners know that Bruce Lee was is from Hong Kong, because <laughs> to me that was a surprise. I didn't know that. Uh, uh, Maybe there's one more from Hong Kong. Do you know Nine Gag? Nine Gag? Yep. The yeah. F- the founder is also from Hong Kong. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how is he called? Uh, Nine Gag. Oh, oh, I'm not talking. Oh, he named the platform. The yeah, the to platform. himself. No, no, no. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot the the. Oh, okay. the I forgot who the name, but yeah, he he developed nine get. Based in Cantonese, if you directly translate nine, it means gao. Yeah. Get is like um, you know the get, like the like a joke and then yeah. And if you speak like a running gag. No, it, um, it's like more like a pun in yeah, Cantonese. Yeah, yeah. But like in Cantonese, it's called gao get, which means like you are making jokes. Okay. So just like making memes, something like that. Oh, nice. Didn't know that. Okay, nice little facts. Uh, let's close with that. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Kenneth. Uh, I'm not. You can say goodbye in Cantonese. I'll just leave it. I will just say it in Dutch. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh yeah. Bye. <laughs> doei doei. So, episode nine is a wrap. Next week is an, a small anniversary because it will be my 10th episode, uh, the 10th episode of Crossing Cultures. It's not much, but it's something. Um, and for this episode, I will be talking to Sven from Luxembourg, uh, which is one of the smallest countries in Europe. Okay, see you then.